This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. Hello there. I'm so, so happy to be able to sit down with you. I I really get excited when I have a guest on the podcast who is someone that uh, doesn't know me from Adam and says, yes, I want to have a conversation with a total stranger and talk about important stuff. So I just want to say, I appreciate you for saying yes, for being a part of this. And I'm going to give you the mic and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners by sharing your name, where you're from and what you stand for. Perfect. Yes. First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me on for this invitation. So yes, my name is Naila Muid. I'm also known as Nubia to those who know me through an artistic format. I am born and reared in Seattle, Washington. I currently live in Santa Monica, California. And, um, and the third thing was, um, what was the third thing? What do you stand for? Yes, what do I stand for? Um, I stand for God. I stand for divinity. I stand for our uh, sovereignty and for knowing our true identity. That's what I stand for. I like that. So the transition from Seattle, Washington to Santa Monica, California, what has that felt like and when did that happen for you? Uh, what is, I moved to Los Angeles in 2004. And so that journey, like I was born in Seattle and never quite, you know, felt like it was home, Mm -hmm. even though my whole family lives there and I have a large family. I'm one of seven, you know, I'm the fifth of seven and um, lots of cousins, lots of uncles and aunts, just a huge family. But it never felt like home to me, like the climate. When people say, oh, it rains so much, it really does rain so much. And so for me, I desired to get out of Seattle since I was a little girl. Um, So as soon as I turned 18, the thought was on my mind, you know, where do I want to go? But I didn't move out of Seattle until I was 30. You know, I had uh, two daughters. I have two daughters. And when I had my children, it was like, oh, you know, I want them to be around their family. But when I turned 30, I was enough is enough. I have to go. <laughs> and so I, you know, was just looking up different places. I thought about Philadelphia. I went to visit. I was like, no, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought about Florida. I thought about uh, even San Diego. But then I found this uh, graduate school because I was also in the process of applying to graduate school. Um, and I found this graduate school, California School of Professional Psychology. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had a few different campuses in California. 
And then I found Agape International Spiritual Center and they were in Los Angeles. And I was on one, a spiritual journey mm-hmm. and two, a grad school journey. And then three, a cultural journey where I wanted to be in an environment that had more progressive black people. You know, in Seattle, there's a little black community and it's not necessarily uh, progressive or I I should say back then it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just looking for a little something more, more diverse. And so that transition has been beautiful. Um, It's been 18 years now and Every day I wake up and there's sunshine. It's wonderful. There's every kind of food imaginable. The entrepreneurial spirit is one of the things I really love about living in the Los Angeles and Santa Monica area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have an idea, you know, you can make it happen. So it's been a wonderful transition. I like that. I like that. And so, and I'm, I rarely get to meet somebody that has experienced the, the educational process, I guess, or even the educational opportunity that's offered through Agape. I know a lot of people have heard of Agape. They're familiar with Dr. Michael Beckwith. You know, he's been on Oprah. He was in The Secret. And sometimes they don't really know that there's actually a huge spiritually centric educational component of what they do there. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that you, that you chose that environment to explore. Yes. And so I chose that environment. That's not where I went to school. school. Okay. So I haven't, I took, I think two classes there. Okay. Um, the, they used to call it foundations and then prac one mm-hmm. or, or um, spiritual practices one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they definitely have a very rich culture, a very uh, structured process that a lot of people go through to become practitioners and ministers and, you know, a lot of different things going on there that are really great and uplifting for the community, for sure. I think so too. I think so too. So when you shared one of the things that you stand for, you said God and div- divinity. So yes. can you share with me, how mm-hmm. do you define God? How do you define divinity? What does that look like for you? So what that looks like for me is that God is that source of life and is that energy, the spirit that is the creator of everything, you know, it is known by many, many, many names, whether you speak English it's God, if you speak Spanish it's Dios, if you speak Arabic it's Allah and wish worship by many. So even a Christian calls God Allah if they speak Arabic, because that just means God. And for me, all of those terms and more simply mean creator, right? And the source of our actual life. And so divinity is really knowing that source, is really knowing that my foundational point, my point of reference, the point I need to go back to when I'm trying to anchor myself is from that divine place of that which created me in its image, in its likeness, and is flowing forth as me in everything that I do. So mm-hmm. to me, that's divinity. I like that. That's so good. And I, 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 I would agree, you know, I, I operate from a similar, from a similar understanding when I think of defining what God is and, and how it manifests as each individual creation, you know, on this planet and throughout the universe. And I think what's great is that when we tap into that sense of divinity with that awareness that we are an extension, an intentional creation, a manifestation of the thoughts, ideas, images, dreams of what God is, 
we walk in the world a little differently. So mm -hmm. can you share with me a little bit about what your spiritual journey has been to up until this point and, and how it's felt for you to arrive at this place with this understanding of what God is? Definitely. So I was born and reared as a Muslim. And uh, that was really all I knew until I turned 18. Okay. Um, and I rebelled against it, you know, in my teenage years, like a lot of teenagers <laughs> might rebel against whatever it is they came up in. But once I turned 23 and I got pregnant with my first daughter, um, it was, there was this sense of, ooh, I'm going to be responsible for someone else's life. I need a foundation that I 100 percent wholeheartedly believe in and can feel wonderful offering to someone else as a foundation for life. And so getting pregnant sent me on my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And through that, you know, I turned first to Islam um, because that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. But when I went in, it was like, not quite something's missing. So then I turned to uh, Christianity because my, um, my daughter's maternal, her paternal uh, grandmother was a Christian and whatnot. So I was like, okay, let me just see. And it was like, not quite. And then I turned to Buddhism. I turned to the Baha'i faith. Mm -hmm. I turned to a lot of different spiritual faiths. And what I found was at the heart of all of them, was God. And then there was culture that was expressed around it. That was really the dividing point, you know, but all of it was pretty clear in God and the expression of God and love and really how there are, have been a lot of, of human thoughts put on top of it that have muddied it up. And so through that journey, I just began to walk myself forward. And I, as I came to Los Angeles, the question that was on my mind was twofold. It one, I wanted to find my spiritual guru, if you will. I read uh, Diary of a Yogi uh, mm -hmm. by Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm -hmm. And uh, through that book, I was, you know, he, cause he just lays out his guru relationship, right? And I was like, I want one of those. <laughs> and so I was really on my path to find my guru. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I know my higher self, my God connection led me to my spiritual teacher. And also I wanted to understand what my divinity was and what the ego was. Because I was studying psychology in school, mm -hmm. I had their perspective of the ego, but it didn't quite sit right. And then I also wanted to know, why am I a woman? You know, mm -hmm. I know God doesn't make mistakes. There's a reason for people to be women. There's a reason for people to be men. And I wanted to know what it means to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I was on that. So I came across Dr. Caroline Fuqua and her, her information. And through that, you know, it just, it lit up a whole new world for me. I went to uh, Egypt and have since become a very devoted student of ancient Egyptian mysticism okay. and the foundation that it has laid for really all religions. Yep. And I've created a board game as well called the Path of Divinity that really speaks to the oneness of all religions. And that whole spiritual walk that I've been on, I'll say in 1996, when I got pregnant, it started. But when I moved in 2004, 
is when I got on my current path Mm -hmm. and where everything just elevated from there and where I, I don't consider anyone to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I think we come to, you know, this playground that we like to call earth, you know, in these human bodies, because I believe we're more than this. We're a spirit inhabiting a body and moving around this playing field called earth in order to perfect our soul or to reveal our soul and to learn how to let go of, you know, limiting beliefs. And so I now feel like I clearly know what God is. I clearly know who I am and I clearly know how life works, you know? And so as I move through any stress and tribulations that come up, Mm -hmm. I understand why they're in front of me and I know how to move through them. And so that's where I'm resting in my spiritual journey is with a deep sense of clarity and peace and understanding. Oh, okay. So anyone who's listening to this, if you didn't just pause and really take all of that in, run that back and listen to it again, (laughs) because you just, I appreciate you so much for sharing that with so much clarity, because I think that There is a point in our lives, should you choose it, where we have the privilege of arriving at that place of knowing, that place Mm -hmm. where, like you said, if things happen, if life throws us a curveball or an unexpected shift or change, we don't go into a panic frenzy. We don't spiral out of control because we have a sense of awareness, a sense of knowing that everything is happening for a reason, Mm -hmm. that pivoting and adjusting is part of this life experience that we're human beings, but we're actually spiritual occupants in human bodies Mm -hmm. that there's so many different paths to God, so many different ways to that place or to that place of knowing or that place of understanding. And like you mentioned, what you discovered after exploring all these different spiritual modalities or exercises or religions or cultural communities that there's actually similarities between them. And what I like about having conversations like this is that I get to recognize that I too had a journey much like that. You know, I was raised in a Christian household or a Christian family, Catholic to be specific. I was baptized into a Catholic church and attended Catholic school until mid elementary. And then we exited the Catholic church and we became Baptist. And then by that time I was exiting home, going away to college and becoming an adult, you know, at that stage in my life where I became a parent at 24 and had a similar experience where I said, I don't feel rooted and connected to these Christian practices enough to pass them on to my child, I need to find another way. And Mm -hmm. I was actually led to Agape. And that was one of the first places where I landed and found community. I felt connected to the doctrines that were being taught. And I also discovered all these different modalities that had never been presented to me before, like Buddhism, like Hinduism, like all these other ways of what I call getting to God you know, and it wasn't until I really let myself explore and study these other modalities, not just go to the service on Sunday or Saturday or Thursday night, but really study it was when I became a yoga instructor and and studying the Bhagavad Gita and understanding the deeper layers of Hinduism and also studying Nichiren Daishonin's, you know, Buddhism and really understanding that and saying to myself, 
okay, there's a lot of ways to get to this God entity and no way is better than another. There's just a way that fits you as an individual at any particular point in your life. And much like you said, there was a time when I did seek a teacher, a guru, a guide, a person to get me there. And then I even discovered evolving out of that space that says, oh, I don't need to go to you to get to God, but you're teaching me these different pathways or maps, so to speak, to arrive at different places and continue to be in study and continue to be a student of what this work looks like, what this experience looks like. And so I think it is a natural part of like development as human beings when we do arrive at that point where we say, okay, so why was I created to be a woman? And was I always meant to be a mother? And what does that look like? And what I'm grateful for about having that awareness, that spiritual awareness, that divine awareness is that it gives us that foundational point to come back to when the world is too much, you know, when things get too crazy or too out there. So my question for you now is what are some of your practices that keep you in a state of well-being in this otherwise chaotic world? <laughs> Definitely. So first of all, being grounded in uh, a firm devotion to self-realization, you know, not necessarily to comfort, although a sense of contentment, a sense of comfort comes out of understanding. And so one is a commitment to self-realization. And then two, understanding universal law, you know, which is really the rules for life is really what allows me to understand how life is working, you know, and something as simple as what I give is what I'm going to receive, you know, which can be the hardest for some people, <laughs> you know, where there can be some very hard things that people are going through, you know, and to be able to understand there's a seed thought in my mind that allows this to manifest in my life, you know, and being able to unravel that. And so for me, understanding universal law is what allows me to move through what may appear on the outside, you know, as a chaotic time mm -hmm. and where inside for me is really just a time of knowing we're going through transformation. We are going through an ascension process where everything that's underneath, all the nastiness has to come up so it can go out so that we can purify our space. You know, it's much like if you cook, you know, some greasy meal in a pot, the cleaning up part might get a little, you know, a little fake with all the grease and the stuff coming up before you actually see the cleared, you know, the clean pot. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, these chaotic times that we live in are really just that, all the different thoughts that have went into society mm -hmm. that now get to be revealed and forgiven, you know? And to me, forgiveness is simply letting go. Yeah. You know, it's not some, uh, oh, I release you from the evil thing that you did. No, forgiveness is, I let go of thinking that way. Mm -hmm. I let go of behaving that way. And as I let go of it, I know that I'm one with everything. And so it releases that energy in my atmosphere. Mm, so that's, I like that. mm -hmm. mm, that's good stuff. And I like what you said about 
the, the recognition that we're operating under universal law. Mm -hmm. And whether we accept that or not doesn't change the reality that that just is. Mm -hmm. And I think that for, for several people, this concept of the universal law was relatively new mm -hmm. when, for a lot, it was introduced when, you know, the book, The Secret came out and people started talking about the law of attraction and what that means and manifesting mm -hmm. and visualizing and visualization and vision boards and the whole thing. And for some, that's where it stopped was right. just like, I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna make a vision board and I'm just gonna hope for the best, you know, right. instead of recognizing that there is a responsibility that comes with operating under that law. And a lot of that has to do with being the manager of your thoughts, mm. you know, really regulating where your thoughts go, what you hold on to, what you release, what you focus on, what you digest. And that in itself does become very much an intentional spiritual practice, Definitely. which, you know, might start with, I might avoid taking in certain types of media or certain types of energy or things that trigger certain responses in my body or my mind so that I'm not creating negative thought patterns. Definitely. Sometimes it looks like, you know, like you said, digging up, uncovering, letting all that muckety muck stuff come to the surface and actually facing it and intentionally clearing it as opposed to just shoving it under the rug or acting like it didn't happen. So I agree that a lot of what's happening right now in this world, as people are like, holy shit, what's going on here? I think a lot of what's happening is the almost the harvesting of these seeds of thought, like you said, that are just coming to the surface and are saying, we were planted a long time ago and we're here. And this idea that the collective consciousness of humanity right now is still some planting those negative seeds. So mm -hmm. we're kind of in this, in this very delicate dance of those of us who are awakened, ascended, woke, whatever you want to call it, that are intentionally planting these new seeds of thought are also living in the same world as those who are planting other seeds of thought. And yeah. it often feels like at different moments we have this tipping of the scale where it feels like, okay, things are getting better. And then it's like, okay, no, it's not. <laughs> so like how to, you know, finding that, that flow, I think is really and just really to, challenging. Yeah, go ahead. To, to touch on two things that you brought up, one, your intake, and then two, that um, polarity, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, one, yes, it's so important to watch what we intake, whether it is food or media, you know, but it's not to try to live the monk life, right? And it's to take responsibility if I'm having a craving for, you know, something that I know does not support a high vibration, address that thought. There's something underneath happening. And so everything in life, it's like it gets up leveled once we're on that path of self-realization, if you will. Yeah. And it's like, if I have a, a tendency to attract negativity, let me think about what thought is really going on rather than the one that I'm saying, you know, it's not about affirmations, you know, because if you're a rich person, you don't need to go around saying I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, you know? And so it's not about affirmations. It's about what am I really thinking based on 
what's coming in front of me. Mm-hmm. And if I find myself craving things that don't support a high vibration, whether that is music that mm-hmm. is at a lower frequency or food at a lower frequency or substances, mm-hmm. address the thought underneath. Am I looking for love? Am I looking for connection? Mm-hmm. Do I not feel my God self? And then there's going to be some other things that need to be applied. Number one is going to be that belief system. What do I really believe about myself? You know, and that might take some coaching, if you will. That might take a guru, if you will. That might take, you know, access to certain information in many different ways. So that's the one thing I wanted to speak on. The other thing about the world looking, you know, where there are those who might be walking an enlightened path, those who might have reached this point in their soul journey where they have more understanding, and then those who might be on a different part of their soul journey Mm. where they're looking for understanding or not quite looking yet, they just want to survive. Yeah. You know, and so... Whatever we find in our environment, whatever we find in our experience of life, we have to take ownership for. So if I attract more people who are on an enlightened path, then it's like, okay, I'm holding a higher vibration constantly, right? But if I'm attracting a mix, then I get to look at how there are times when I am thinking of myself as less than divine. And so I am manifesting an experience that is less than divine, you know, and There's nothing wrong with any of it. That's this game of life on earth where we get to come in and clean up. And so as it comes up, as we are, um, if you will, confronted Mm -hmm. with people who are wanting to, let's just say, live a life where it's that old school hierarchy Mm -hmm. where the few have a lot, you know, that's where we get to look inside of ourselves and say, where have I been looking to participate in something that doesn't serve the best and highest good for all involved, Mm. right? And it's going to be easy if we're telling the truth where we might be sponsoring that thought in our own life, right? Because that's as simple as that. A capitalistic viewpoint doesn't serve the best and highest good for all involved, right? right? And so then I get Mm -hmm. to look at, oh, yeah, I can see when I did this, that, or the other, Mm -hmm. I said, for life to operate like that. Right. I get to dig that out and let it go. Right. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I'm so glad that you commented on it's not in order to live a divinely inspired life does not mean that you have to live the monk's life or operate Mm -hmm. in that space. Mm -hmm. And also that it's not just about affirmations. And I love, I love that you said that because that is something that I'm you know, becoming more aware of the frequency of how often I hear what I consider to be like toxic positivity, where it's like, well, just say your affirmations every morning, 55 times a day in front of the mirror and your life will be better. (laughs) And I mean, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't affirm yourself. Or like you said, there's nothing wrong with utilizing affirmations as a tool to kind of like bring you back or stop a spiral or something like that. But I study a lot of Abraham Hicks or Esther Abraham Hicks and a lot of this, this idea that affirmations can be applied to a negative mind or negative thought patterns instead of addressing the negative thought pattern, mm-hmm. seeing it for what it is, sitting in the discomfort of the source of that negative thought pattern and doing the work to extract that instead of just putting an affirmation on top of it. It's like putting a bandaid on a broken bone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the Band-Aid is cute. <laughs> Mickey Mouse or whatever on it. It might look nice, but you have to reset the broken bone in mm-hmm. order for that healing to actually happen. And so when we think about this idea of extracting negative thought patterns, extracting belief systems that no longer serve the person that you wish to be, that that deeper work does require effort. It does require time. It does require energy. And I think that what I, what I see is a lot of people that don't want to do the work, whether Mm. it's because of fear of like, who will I become once I do that work? How will it change my relationships? How will it change my identity? How will it change my entire life? I'd rather just keep it over there and avoid it. I'd rather just keep it over there and act like it's okay. Or like you said, reach for substance or something else to soothe the hurt or the hole to fill that hole that I feel in my life. And instead of knowing that shit happens, you know, we've all been through things. There's all there. We've all had stuff that we've had to survive through. And this idea that getting out of survival mode is sometimes like terrifying for some folks. And there's some folks who say, oh, you know, living the enlightened life or walking on an enlightened path, you know, that only happens when you've reached a certain level of financial security, socioeconomic status, education, et cetera. But when you're in the trenches of life and you're stuck in survival mode, it's like, that's not available to me. So what do you say to to a person or a community of people that feel like accessing their divinity is not available to them? Definitely. And it's, you know, it's not a overarching thing that I would say. Everything is individual. Right. And so because different people are holding different thoughts, the answer in itself is always going to be the same underneath. But the clove that, you know, is put on to the answer may sound different. And so really, it is about challenging the belief that's up. It really is about what do you believe about life and what are you listening to? And I'm not talking about what music you're listening to necessarily. I'm not talking about what movies you're listening to necessarily. Those are just revealing what you're listening to. And I watch everything, you know, I watch a lot of different things. So the conversation is really about what are you listening to inside? What is that voice inside that is speaking loudly that you're feeding? Because our consciousness is like a garden. You know, we are planting seeds on a moment by moment basis. Those seeds are growing up, they're sprouting, they're fruiting, you know, and then reharvesting our life experience. And so I would really encourage people that look at your life experience and tell the truth about what you've been planting, you know, and really everyone is called to what they're calling for. And so if someone is approaching me, like I do coaching and I do workshops. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is coming into my space requesting, you know, what I have to offer, then I know something within them is calling to access a higher frequency Mm -hmm. of living. Right. And so definitely an exploration of, well, what are those seeds you're planting now? Mm -hmm. And then begin teaching them how to start shopping at a different aisle in the market first (laughs) and then how to transcend that marketplace altogether Mm. you know Mm. so that they have different seeds available to plant you know because a lot of times whether it's habit addiction what we like to call generational curse um 
you know, those are the seeds that most people are comfortable with and that they know. But once they come to me, it's like, they're like, I know there's something else to know. I know there's something else for me other than what I'm used to, you know? And so for me, it's really an exploration of, well, what are you working with right now? Because we have to uproot that before we can plant a new garden. Mm. Can I just say that (laughs) you are just such a phenomenal force? I mean, I've had the privilege of talking to a lot of different people, whether on this podcast or, you know, outside of the podcast and, and other spaces. And what I really enjoy about the way that you present these, these concepts or these ideas or these practices is it's done in a way that's so practical, mm-hmm. you know, and, and something that happens a lot in the, in the wellness community and the spiritual community and the, you know, the healing community is we have those that are that are very much you know woo woo you know and mm-hmm. I and I like the woo woo it's cool <laughs> it feels good I mean? it feels good <laughs> it feels great you know but beneath the the magical fairy dust of the woo woo is the work mm-hmm. and I think that that's sometimes lost when we when we have conversations like this or we get into these practices or we get into these communal spaces, you know, even with like TGS, you know, I'm on the, the wellness committee and we got wellness programs coming down the pipeline soon. And one of my biggest passions is making this stuff practical mm-hmm. because especially we as black folks, make it real. Okay, make it make it digestible, make it palatable and make it practical, because if it's practical, then I will be more likely to apply it to my life. And I'm going to experience the woo and the magic and the high and the feelings as I'm doing this work. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you operate as a practitioner, as a a leader, as a coach in your community? And what are some Mm -hmm. things that you that you provide, you know, to your clients or to the people that you're working with? Definitely. And so, you know, I, as a consultant and facilitator, I do a lot of different uh, workshops and trainings and retreats. And so I, and it's always based, it's, everything is customized. And so it's always based on what are you calling forward? You know, because I might have a million ideas in my head, but that's not what you're calling forward. So whoever's sitting in front of me, That's where we start with that intake, right? Mm -hmm. And so all, everything I do, whether it's coaching as on an individual basis or it's providing a conference or a workshop, it starts with that consultation of what are you seeing in front of you? You know, how's the team operating? If it, or is there a team or just a bunch of individuals trying to do something? Or are we ready for the next level conversation? And I'm going to know that based on what you tell me you're seeing and what the vision is, right? And then from there, I go about really looking at what are the skills that are going to need to be developed in order to move to the next level. And before the skills, there's going to be a conversation in order to plant the seeds that the skills can then come in and then grow that garden that they're looking to grow. You know, for me, I love the garden metaphor for everything in life. I mean, it just works well. I look to nature to really provide that blueprint for how we're supposed to be living. Because a lot of times we as humans have tried to remove ourselves from nature, but we're part of nature. 
you know, and so as we tap back into it, we find that our life begins to thrive. And one of the um, workshops that I do is moving from surviving to thriving, mm -hmm. right? And so in that process, we begin to look at what are the thoughts that we believe? How are we operating in relationship and what's growing in our garden? you know and so that process can look different there are different activities you know that are done depending on what a specific individual or group is calling for you know I do I serve on many different consultation teams okay. I work with the Getty I work with the Los Angeles Philharmonic and with the city of Pasadena the city of Glendale and each one of them is totally different you know, where some have a nice cohort, you know, and they're able to partner up and teamwork and others, it's about first, let's build the team, yeah. you know, and others, it's let's move into transformational leadership, yeah. you know, and so that training, that coaching looks completely different depending on who is sitting in front of me. And I love it. I enjoy it all. It's, um, I would say my multifaceted expression, because I also work as an artist and a poet, you know, everything I do, like my business is divine variations. Okay. And that's because I do a variety of things, but it all is to point toward the divine. All of it is for transformation and self-realization at the end of the day, whether I am speaking a poem or facilitating a workshop, it's for transformation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that divine variations mm -hmm. you're just great I'm, just, I'm, I'm over here having my Thank own you. experience just being on the listening end of this conversation and what I what I appreciate about what you're offering what you're bringing into the world is that I can feel the intentionality that you've put into this this is not something that's just a a fly-by-night you know gentle passion or hobby like you're really rooted in this work and recognize that, like you said, the transformational qualities that, that come from the work that you do. Mm -hmm. And for those who are listening, you know, if you haven't tapped in to my guest today, I encourage you to do so. I believe she's accessible. I believe she ain't, she ain't untouchable y'all. So, so reach out, you know. Time for a break, time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit. This is the portion of the podcast where I call, you know, it's getting to know you a little more. So we've talked a lot and I'm grateful for about the work that you do and, you know, things that you stand for. And I know that as an entrepreneur and an author and a poet and a mother, that a lot of the work you do, you know, is centered around psychological principles and spiritual principles and creative expression. I also noticed that you enjoy theater, which is great. I love theater yes. as well. So I would like for you to share a little bit, something about you that most people don't know. Wow. Something about me that most people don't know. It's, 
that's a tough question because I'm, I'm fairly open, you know, so I can't right off the bat think of what is something about me that most people don't know, maybe, and, and it depends on what segment of my life you're in, right? So if you know me now, um, as an accomplished woman, as, you know, a consultant, as a graduate school uh, person, you wouldn't know that I graduated from high school with a 1.7 GPA and a fifth year senior, mm-hmm. right? Which is a powerful piece of information because it demonstrates how I transform my own life and how I can teach that because I didn't just come up with fairy tales and roses, you know, I went through some things and said, there's another way to live. So definitely, I graduated a fifth year senior with a 1.7 GPA and took some time off before I went to college, Uh, didn't have any intention on going to college whatsoever mm-hmm. until I, uh, my mother got me a job in this place called Family Services in Seattle. Okay. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life before that. Mm-hmm. And so working in family services, they were doing counseling for people. And I saw that and I said, Ooh, this is powerful. This is something I can do. You know, I want to become a therapist. And so through that, my first uh, semester in college, 4.0, you know, so the 1.7 in high school wasn't capability. It was motivation and inspiration and a lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And so, which is, you know, one of those things I believe we're called to teach that which we either have passed through or are still passing through. And so for me, I know well what it looks like when someone doesn't have inspiration in their life Mm -hmm. and doesn't have support and connection. And so a lot of what I do is about bringing inspiration and feeding that sense of encouragement and seeing yourself so that then it's, it's pretty much in the bag after that. Once you know who you are and you're inspired, all you have to do is listen and walk your path out. So that might be something that a lot of people don't realize and would be like, oh my goodness, are you serious? You know, because I graduated, you know, with honors from college and graduate school, but from high school, 1.7 GPA, right? Hey, and that's also, (laughs) it's a a reminder that it's important for us not to just count people out, you Mm -hmm. know, because they had a rough patch or because they had a a slow start or whatever you call it, that like, what, like you mentioned, once a person discovers discovers mm-hmm. their purpose, discovers their passion, they're unstoppable at that point. It's like blinders are on. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going by any means necessary versus being in a space that feels like, well, I got, I have to go to school, I guess. I have to go to high school or, and, and I guess I'm supposed to graduate. So I'll get it done, but it's not really what's fueling me. I'm not being driven by a desire to do that. And to know that, like you said, no matter where I end up, where I began, that's also a part of my story. So for people to see a sense of inspiration that comes from that too. So one of the other questions that I like to ask before the podcast, I, you know, send out this questionnaire and everybody gives me these really cool answers. And it's a way for me to get to know my guests before I share them with my listeners. One of the questions I ask is, if you could live or reside anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? 
So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you that question. So yeah, if you could reside anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? So based on the law and based on the fact that I live in Santa Monica right now, it's I'm going to say Santa Monica, right? Mm -hmm. I have not experienced another place yet that would call me to move there. Um, moving from Seattle, Washington, um, I firmly believe that there are parts of us that we can't access until we travel. You know, and I'm a very avid traveler. I have touched six different continents, trying to get to that seven Antarctica, you know. And so I, I've seen a lot of the world, you know, and Seattle is one of the most beautiful places in the world mm -hmm. when it's not raining. <laughs> not raining, right. Yeah, you know. And moving here to the Los Angeles area, you know, I have such a deep appreciation for sunshine after being raised in the rain um, and the entrepreneur and the creative spirit that's here, you know, and to me that that speaks to me. I am, you know, near enough to the mountains if I wanted to go, you know, the Big Bear or something like that. I live by the ocean, you know, the forest. I could just drive over to go to Joshua Tree, you know, if I wanted to go see the Redwoods, um, the desert. I can just drive right over into the desert. Mm -hmm. You know, the city is right there downtown, you know. So there's every type of area, if you will. Mm -hmm. But there's also the creativity. There's every type of creativity. You mentioned, I love the theater, mm -hmm. you know, going to see uh, one of the most wonderful shows I've ever seen in my life, Hamilton, yeah. you know, and, or going to the movies. I love that. Going to food, having access right there, every kind of food in the world, whether it's my personal favorite, Indian food or Ethiopian food or, you know, Vietnamese, every type of food is right here. Yeah. And then that's because there's all those different people, right? All those different ethnicities and cultures. Right. And so that is why I think right now, I'm called to be here for the artistry, the culture, the food, the sunshine, the entertainment, you know, and there's a, a spiritual thought, I think, as well, that resides here. And so until my higher self says, here, we have somewhere else for you to be as us, and we have another place we want to reside, you know, this is where I am. I love Cuba. Um, I've been there and there's an artistic flow that just as soon as you step off the plane, you just feel, mm -hmm. you know, I love South Africa. Mm -hmm. I think there's some infrastructure things that would need to improve before I'd be like, yeah, I want to live there. Okay. Um, I love, you know, I've been a lot of places and I, I love a lot of things about each one of them, but none that have called me to want to call them home. You know, okay. Egypt, I go to Egypt at least once a year, you okay. know, part of my spiritual practice, part of my uh, reconnecting and part of um, my work. Mm -hmm. And so, but yet and still, like, it doesn't call me to live there necessarily. So Santa Monica. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And also, uh, no one else needs to move to Los Angeles because we're <laughs> I know she just made it sound amazing. <laughs> Okay, but we are full at capacity. Oh. So if you didn't get in 18 years ago, we ain't got no more room. Uh, no, but so I no, I appreciate that. Cause no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm a SoCal native. Um, I grew up in Southern California, lived in the city and also in the desert that you spoke of. And even though 
I've resided in different parts of the country in the South and in the Northeast. California is always, of course, going to be home for all those reasons that you mentioned. And my roots are here, you know, fourth generation in, you know, Southern California. And so there's always going to be a draw here. Something I also enjoy is the diversity, is the cultural influences, the artistic spirit, is the entrepreneurial presence as well. And I think that having that, that desire to explore the planet, going to different countries, going to different continents and really taking it all in, I think does enrich our experience as, you know, spiritual beings in these human bodies. So I can, I I can feel you on that. So I don't get to spend all day talking to you, even though (laughs) I absolutely could, because I'm enjoying this conversation. So we're going to move in to the last part of our time together. And this is what I like to call the time where we kind of wind down a little bit. And I'm going to give you some sentence prompts. And these are, again, ways for us to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to give you three prompts. I call this complete the sentence and you can complete it in as much or as little space as you'd like. So the very first one is I'm happiest when. Mm -hmm. I am happiest when I am centered in who I am and connected with wonderful people, wonderful food, and fun. Okay. I am, I know when I'm making an impact when I am. I know that I am making an impact when I am speaking from the truth of my being. Mm, I like that. And the last one is, I know I'm fed up when. (laughs) I know I am fed up when. Oh, bless. I don't, hmm. I don't know what, I'd see, I have to break that down. What does it mean to be fed up? Mm-hmm. Like that question is deeper, I think, than what it may seem like. What does that mean? I, I don't know that fed up fits into my life anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because everything that comes to me is coming from me. And if I get irritated by it, and that's not to say I don't get irritated. Okay if I get irritated by it, I know I have some work to do. Right. And to me, if I get fed up, I'm giving up or I'm not being honest, you know? So if I were to feel fed up, then I wouldn't, I'm not doing the work. I'm not doing the work. I heard that. I heard that. I hope y'all heard that. And I just, I, that's real. That's real. Because like you said, I know everything that I'm receiving is something that I'm offering. And I know and, and for I, my highest good, for my highest good. So if yeah. I allow myself to get stuck in that irritation, frustration, whatever that is, then I'm preventing myself from actually getting to know myself and yeah. being more of myself instead of looking at it as this thing is I'm fed up. I've reached my edge. Fed up is giving up. Mm-hmm. That means I'm giving up on me. So what opportunity am I missing to actually evolve here? hundred percent. And um, I want to go back to your second question too, where you said the impact. I just did, I love, you know, the synchronicity. I just did a workshop last Saturday called manifesting impact, you know? And so the whole premise of it was walking people through a process where they are able to manifest their impact in the world in a deeper sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love that you asked me that question. It just touched me. I was like, oh yeah. Yes, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. So the last thing we're gonna do together 
is a little brief, brief visualization exercise. Mm -hmm. So I just want to invite you to get comfortable in your body. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to close your eyes, maybe take a couple of deep breaths and we're going to visualize you in a time machine, whatever that looks like. And we're going to go and take a trip back, however far back. And then once you arrive in this space, you're going to step out of this time machine. And the first person that you see is your 16 year old self. What do you say? Mm -hmm. You are divine. Mm -hmm. You are powerful. Go ahead and walk it out because it's sweet on the other side. Mm -hmm. So taking a moment just to give this 16-year-old self a warm embrace and then departing from that space, coming back into that time machine and going all the way forward. We don't know how far. What would you like to be remembered for? For being authentic, inspirational, and a contribution. Mm, that's good. So taking a deep breath and returning back into this present moment and opening your eyes when you are ready. The last thing that I have, the very, very last thing I promise is um, when I started this podcast back in the spring of 2018 and was recording from the front seat of my car, and talking to people that I knew and people that I didn't know, one of the things that I brought into the conversation was an Oracle deck. Mm -hmm. And it's the Oracle of E, which is E for everything and eternity. And what I like about this deck is it's Blair, it's playful, it's fun, it's lighthearted. So there are 52 cards in this deck. So I would just like you to give me a number between one and 52. 28. 28. My birthday's on the 28th. So I love That's my birthday. This month? Uh, January 28th. January. I'm June 28th. Okay. <laughs> I see you. Okay. That's why we just, that's why this just flows so beautifully. So the message for number 28 is smooth and easy. Just like this conversation is <laughs> smooth and easy. So I'm going to give you a little more insight. So smooth and easy. The message here is you're on an easy street. My friend, the red sea has parted and you are now free to roam the planet. All obstacles have disappeared. Doors and windows are flying open. There is not one thing that can stop you. I receive. Yes. Yes. This has been so beautiful to sit down and share and speak with you and hear more of your story. I appreciate you immensely for just showing up the way that you did. And I want to give you some space now to let people know how they can reach you, how they can connect with you and anything that you have going on that you'd like to share with the listeners. Go ahead and take up space. Definitely. So you can reach me on my link tree, Divine Variations, plural. So Divine and Variations. And there you'll find links to everything else, my online store, the latest events that I'm putting on and to my social media as well, my business page on Instagram and my artist page. And so Linktree, Divine Variations, and come see me. 
I have a lot to give and it is my honor to be here today. And I just thank you for the invitation again. And I see you. Oh yeah. Awesome. This has been fantastic. Fantastic. So we'll be in touch soon. And um, just, man, I'm just, whoo, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling so good. So, so good right now. And I cannot wait for people to hear this. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Peace. It's time to wrap this up and I just want to say very sincerely thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day and I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment I see the light, I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity and the pure joy that shines within each of you and I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste.